Well, hello there. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. You're listening to This Week in Homelessness with Daniel McDonald for Saturday, October 3rd, 2020. So glad you could join me today. And as I seem the months slip away, we've gone uh, pretty much through the summer now. We're into October. We're six months into the pandemic. Crazy times. And uh, I thought I would have all this free time when the pandemic hit. That has not been the case. So I hope all is well in your world. But I wanted to take a few moments today and try and do a little better job with keeping up in my episodes and uh, kind of give you more um, of an idea about what it's like on the street level out here working with homelessness and what we're going through during the pandemic. And of course, if you have any questions, ideas, topics, for future episodes, or you'd like to be a guest, tell me how things are in your corner of the world. Feel free to give me a call, 800-643-1997, info at homelesspolice.com, or on my website, homelesspolice.com. Go there anytime. Anyway, this week was a good week. Uh, it kind of capped a, about a four-year process. Um, this gentleman, I call him Charles, I encountered him about four years ago. He was on the bus bench on one of our major thoroughfares here in Tampa, Florida. And he looked in agony. We had many calls about him. An ambulance had come and gone. Uh, People had dropped stuff off, food and drinks and so on. But he just looked like he was in agony. So I got a call about him, go and visit him about 6.30 on on the, in the evening. It was about a Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. I don't remember exactly. But I talked to him, and he didn't want any help. He just wanted to be left alone. Um, so anyway, we ended up uh, getting him to the hospital. What we didn't know at the time was that uh, the reason he couldn't move was that uh, he had a broken hip, and he had some other very serious medical issues. So able to get him stabilized, and he went back into rehab and was able to kind of get things um, kind of back to normal. Kind of lost track of him. Um, just want to mention also, he's not what you would consider the typical homeless person you might uh, encounter out there. Um, Charles was a career government employee, one of our neighboring counties. Um, due to a bad divorce, he ended up losing everything, losing his house, ended up on the streets. That's where I found him. So probably not your typical case of uh, homelessness, but the end result is that he still does not have a roof over his head. So fast forward about a couple of years, and for about the last year or two, I've had asset recovery companies contacted me looking for him. And this is um, third or fourth time I've encountered this. So I've got some experience with this, and I knew it wasn't a scam. What it is if uh, people who have inheritances... Uh, they have money or uh, being held by the state or by the courts or in escrow somewhere. Companies will track these folks down and use their network or call people to try and find out where they are. Uh, Charles was able to get um, some money. I won't disclose how much, but it was worth enough for a private company to devote resources. That's two different companies to try and track him down. That's he took about between Los Angeles and Tampa, took about four of us uh, to kind of connect the dots and talk to each other and figure out where it was. And 
it was just through a chance conversation with a lady I know that was able to to um, find out where he was living at and able to go and tell him, hey, got some good news for you. Need to call this person. Um, I'll definitely want to hear from you. It would be worth your while. You've got some money coming in. Yeah, I've run into this about, uh, kind of for all the skeptics out there, particularly the cops, like, yeah, this is a scam. You know, we'll give you your money, but you have to pay a commission or send us and we'll send you the difference. I, I can already hear what you're saying, but uh, did my due diligence. He's a government regulated um, private businesses. They, I imagine, get a cut of, the, cut of the action, but I think in the few cases I've encountered, it was definitely worth it. Anyway, so why do I bring this up? It's um, I spent about four years off and on with Charles, another gentleman. Uh, Red, it took me about four and a half years to house him. He was living on the streets in a wheelchair. I called him the Mount Everest of homelessness. He was without a doubt my most difficult case. And I was just persistent, just not persistent in an annoying way. I guess, well, maybe I could be once in a while, but just persistent, and I wouldn't take no for an answer, and when you're ready to get help, I'll be here. Anyway, Red um, got sick of, he told me, well, I asked him what made you change your mind to get into housing, and he said he got sick of people ripping off his, his money every month. And they would use him, take his money, and just got sick of that, so he decided to make a change. And when he did, I was there for him, ready to go. And the housing part was actually the easiest part. That that happened fairly quickly. It was just getting him to change his mind that took all that time. And some other folks living in the woods, just getting nowhere. And I just was persistent, was able to get them into housing, even arrange a wedding for them. Um, another gentleman, I help him uh, get, a, get uh, John, help him get his ID, um, Case manager, one of the local shelters, contacted me, just absolutely stumped because he was born in a foreign country about what to do. And we were able to put a head together. It took a while, but I finally figured it out and the documents that he needed. And we discovered when he was housed um, and when we got him his ID that he had over $42,000 in the bank. He was living on the streets downtown on a cardboard box describing himself as invisible and uh, the whole time he didn't know his monthly check was accumulating every month and by the time I tracked uh, tracked his bank uh, account down with him with his ID he had $42,000 and he is still a permanent housing uh, permanent supportive housing success story he still remains in housing to this day and I see him from time to time so what's the moral of the story about this? Why am I going on about all these uh, stories that I spend sometimes years um, following through? Well, the reason is um, there's a couple of schools of thought about how you conduct outreach. That's homeless outreach. Could Two different schools of thought. One is contact-driven outreach, and this might be most familiar to many of you in your community. That is where outreach workers, we just want to go out and make as many contacts as possible. Uh, the more contacts, the better. They are evaluated by activity, not necessarily performance, but activity. And they'll go out there, make contacts, not necessarily have any 
real successes. They just have a very glancing impact on folks. You'll often see this in agencies that have uh, outreach contracts, and they just want to see the numbers. Uh, more, more really interested in that than end results. Conversely, you have uh, impactful outreach, and I'm going to. I'll include a video at the end that's just recorded by Ian DeYoung in from Code in Canada. He provides a very good explanation, and he's got a very good presentation on impactful outreach, which is basically rather than go out and see how many people you can contact and have lots of activity but not, no real impact, hence impactful outreach, then you can go out there and make a difference rather than make numbers. So the, at the end of the day, just focus on maybe less people. Don't go out there. This always boggles my mind. Why is everyone in such a rush to go out there, make new contacts, run the numbers, get them high, when you have all these people that still need housing? You know, you got to move the needle on housing. We can, we can input as many people into the system as possible, um, get the numbers up, but if we're not doing everything we can, getting them paper ready, document ready, getting them IDs, not following through with it, then it's all kind of a big waste of time, in my opinion. Anyway, that's just about my brief thoughts about impactful outreach. Check the links for a little more discussion and in-depth uh, overview of this. And I hope you like uh, this very brief episode. And if you have any more questions, comments, concerns, ideas, feel free to give me a call or email, etc. Info at homelesspolice.com or www.homelesspolice.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon.